0: Hey guys, Trevor here with Red Leaf, and today I'm glad to be here with Cannabis Craft Co-Packaging. Oh, craft Cannabis Co-Packaging. Craft Cannabis Co-Packaging. <laughs> There's too many names, too many abbreviations, yeah. and just overall too many syllables to try and remember in this <laughs> industry. But we got Gang On here with me. I'm really excited to be breaking down what they do here for the industry and how they support um, getting some new brands to the market and helping getting products to the market. So thanks for coming on, and let's uh, go ahead and dive into it.
1: Yeah, no worries, but
0: Thanks for having me
1: on here. I've been uh, a fan of yours for the last uh, month or so here. After after Tether, I looked into you. I love your content. And um, so pretty much I work for Craft Cannabis Co-Packing, the C3 Collective, a nice little abbreviation for us. And the company does what the name states. We are a Craft Cannabis Co-Packer, or at least that's that's how we came about Uh, We started the company about a year ago now with our our president, Chris Hemming. He had over 10 years of experience in the manufacturing and packaging industry. Very knowledgeable guy. Uh, We also have another Chris, Chris Nelson, who's our business development manager. He handles everything to do with the new products that we bring on with us as partners and how we would position ourselves in the market. So he will handle okay what skews are what skews are selling the most and how should we package this and push it to the push it to the government so um, about a year ago we did start off like i said as a co-packing company and as we started working with our first few partners we realized that a lot of a lot of small craft growers um, had a lot of trouble s- submitting and accepting getting skew acceptance so we did have a little bit of experience with this side of the industry because we are under Aphelion Pharmaceutical, who also used to be a, um, a cultivation company as well. So just on the side, we started assisting, assisting these craft uh, micros in SKU submissions, and we started seeing that their approval rate started going up quite a bit. So slowly we started to work this, this angle into our business plan. And now we've over the last year, we've we've expanded from specifically a co-packing business and a processing business to sales and distribution, branding, marketing, kind of the whole the whole tea, except for actually growing the cannabis. Um, So in the last, I'd say in the last few months now, we've we've expanded our portfolio quite a bit. We've gone into provinces like Saskatchewan, Manitoba, of course. Uh, we are actually in the works. So we just got approved by AGLC OCS as well, so we will be expanding out to those. Uh, we got really great partners. Uh, Headstone Cannabis—they just did their first run of Black Mountainside, which is already a cannabis finalist, cannabis cup finalist. Sorry, um, those guys are sitting at like 28% at uh, 6% terps terp percentage. I haven't seen that in, in quite a while. Um, I don't even think I've known anybody with 6% TERFS, which is sick. But uh those will be releasing in Ontario. They're already available, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. And then along all of that, we did brand a couple of companies as well, like Headstone, um, sorry, not Headstone, um Headtop. Headtop is also available in uh, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. And now we've actually started to expand a little bit and create our own house brand, which is Astronaut Cannabis. Which is uh here, this guy right here actually. Show you a little little pop socket I made flexing my marketing abilities. You can't like zoom into this, eh? Uh, not too much. Yeah. We, <laughs> take, we can take a picture okay, of it and, yeah, and put it on there too. In there. Um, so astronauts so in, in craft in in the C three collective I'm actually inside sales. So I'll handle like the onboarding Um, of clients and and had all the paperwork and and figure out the SKUs and the kind of the the behind the sales scene stuff and with astronaut they took i took on more of a marketing and sales role Uh, so i am doing all the branding and marketing for astronaut cannabis and one of the first things we wanted to do was create kind of a more cannabis cultural brand so we did start something called the hundred club which is the first 100 participants to sign up on this email list would be a part of the 100 Club. And in that club, you would get free access to merchandise, membership events, so events exclusive to the 100 Club and their plus ones, as well as product testing. So any product that we are going to bring to market, we can legally sample out under our R&D license, and that will be exclusive to the 100 Club. So right now, we're building that as we kind of expand our portfolio and decide what we want to release under Astronaut. Uh, right now, we have LA Wedding Pop that will be coming out, which is a really great strain, one of my favorites. Uh, it will be released in OCS as well in a milled format. Uh, right now, it's going to be dried flower in in uh, Alberta. And that one I'm really excited about because the Hunter Club, we are, we are focusing kind of more on on the funner aspects of the cannabis industry, C three Collective is always very, very professional. I'd say uh, we like to keep that that professionalism because we do represent other partners as well. But Astronaut's kind of my little baby, so I do want to make it a little, little more, little more fun. Have some fun events and and kind of bring the culture to it. So,
0: oh yeah, that definitely sounds like a great kind of collective of support for the industry because the C three sounds like it does. A similar approach to what the BC Craft Collective with helping streamline the access to getting their growers to the market and get it actually available for consumers to be able to consume but it sounds like you guys are doing a little bit more self branding for each of those producers versus having your own name on there which is awesome to see. I'm a big fan of actually seeing the craft grower highlighted and promoted when they're doing it. So that's a that's a big benefit that I would say over the BC craft collective for what you guys are doing
1: sweet thanks i appreciate that And yeah like even when we are selling into saskatchewan manitoba we're actually calling in ourselves to introduce like for example the president of the company chris hemming calls in to dispensaries in saskatchewan and says hey like i'm the president of this company we would like to introduce you to our products and things like that right and we actually started um, putting on virtual events for bud tenders and store owners and Cannabis I don't know, industry professionals, uh, where they can get live, live uh, one-on-ones or Zoom calls with the actual growers themselves. So, Lindsey Miller, he's the uh, one of the one of the Miller brothers that run Headstone Cannabis, and he will be doing his first live virtual event with us on the twenty seventh. Um, and it will give the bud tenders opportunities to find out more about how the cannabis was actually grown as well as little tips and tricks and just more, it's more personable, right? Like I, I personally used to manage uh, dispensaries as well. And bud tender knowledge was one of my biggest like stress points, you know, like you don't want to walk into a dispensary and know more than the guy selling it to you. Cause everybody's been there. It's the worst feeling. It's like, okay, like you're teaching this guy something at one point, you know? So I've never actually had that asset available to me as a dispensary owner, so I feel like it was very important that we brought that to our products, right? I mean, as a bud tender, if you're passionate about your, your product and your job, like why wouldn't you want to talk to a guy who's actually growing it? Because a lot of people don't get to see that aspect of the industry. So that's, that's something really cool we've been working on as well too.
0: On well, having that ability to allow the growers to focus on what they do best, which honestly is growing and promoting their bud. Yeah. When they can talk directly to the people who are passionate about it, nobody can promote the bud better than the head grower yeah. or the person that's bringing that genetic to the facility, right? Cause they're the most excited about it. They'll beat out any sales rep in my opinion, because they can answer almost any question on that bud. Well, how does it taste? Well, how does it look? Well, how do, Oh, well, here's the three kind of variations you're going to get. I like this one the most. This one's going to be kind of my second favorite, but that third one, it still smacks. That that will sell a thousand times better because you'll have those bud tenders relaying, hey, you might get one of these three. Let us know which one you get because I'm excited to see if we can find that other one that he was talking about, right? That's That sounds way better than a rep coming in going, well, the THC percentage range is between this to this and you're going to get an MSRP of this. It's like, I'm sorry. I'd rather talk to the grower who's excited about it. So that's, yeah. that's huge and being able to kind of relieve some of the paperwork stress and give them more time to do what they're passionate about is going to be a huge benefit for this industry. And it's really where the marketing and the promotion is really fluctuating and like flourishing in this industry. Like you're seeing a lot of different ways of doing it, but it's all seem to be working well with the companies who can connect directly to their dispensaries.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's a huge like contrast of what we saw when everything started like the beginning of legalization right like you had a ton of these huge companies thinking that they can just come in grow the most amount of weed they can and get the highest roi right like um i knew a huge uh, a couple really big liquor companies that kind of wanted to use the same model in cannabis and it wasn't until it was too late where, where they started to realize they needed to take more of like a, a fine wine approach to things, right? Like make it smaller, take more care of the product and really try to curate to like the, the consumer. So I think that's like in the last couple of years, um, craft and micro growers have really been getting their spotlight now which is really nice because now the demand is going up. But now, like you said, it's, it's a lot of pressure on the, on the paperwork and on the side of things they're not really comfortable with because they all they've been doing for the last 10 or 30 or even some people, like 40 years, have been trying to grow the best cannabis, right? Like even I was working in, um, I was working in QA, actually. That's how I started off my career in cannabis. And um, I'm a sales guy, so QA was, was kind of fun, I guess. But um, the biggest thing I noticed was like the the grower – and the grow team always had, there's always a confliction between QA and the grow team because these guys just want to do what they can to grow the best weed. And QA is kind of like the police, right? So, I mean, what I've noticed is there's even partnering up with a few of our our, our partners. They literally just tell us like, hey, man, like we just want to grow the weed and you guys take care of everything else. <laughs> And it's like sure like that's exactly what we're here for because that's the that's the way like c- cannabis is special because the collaborative culture is is a lot more promoted right like there's no it's not so uh, head-on and doggy dog at least not yet hopefully we can kind of maintain this sort of thing but um, I think that's what makes it really special and and everybody you talk to as long as you're within the industry whether you go to conferences or or a little cannabis parties that launch parties and stuff like that everybody's super cool with collaborating just like you you know you're going to go to a few different conferences and you're going to find that everybody's just so willing to talk and and collaborate and promote each other right so i think that's uh that's something special we have here
0: that's that is a big difference in the cannabis industry is it like anytime there's a conversation it's like oh i think you you two would work really well together if there's a reason why it's because they've tried to work together and it just didn't work, which there's nothing wrong with not working together because the partnership didn't work from previous experience, but there's always that just mentality of, yeah, we'll give it a shot. We'll see what happens. Right. And it's, it's that kind of open ability to connect and kind of, like you said, develop these partnerships and these collaborative growth opportunities with what your guys are doing with your growers and, bringing them to market is huge, and it's really different than any other industry. Like I grew up around oil field. Oh, yeah. It's not the same <laughs> mentality around this.
1: I would hope not like, to be it is,
0: it is crazy how different, but you go to the super small supportive industries around the oil field in a small town, it's got a similar type of mentality, but they're not stepping on each other's toes. They're doing, everyone's doing something a little bit different. That's the nice thing with the cannabis industry is when you look at the growers, it seems like everyone can do something a little bit different and everyone can kind of respect that. Yeah. That it seems industry wide. We find that recognition, which is a big refreshing breath for most of us coming from somewhere else.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun place to be in and it's only growing across the world right now too, which is, which is one of the main reasons I actually got into this. Like I was actually doing like finance management in a dealership And I left all that to to join the cannabis industry because I recognize that Canada was one of the first GA countries in the world to legalize legalize recreationally. And uh, when I was doing QA, we had people come from from Germany, from Mexico, from all over the world to come see our facility, see how things are ran, like look at our SOPs, and just so we can help them kind of develop a system in countries like across the world, right? So it's, it's really cool. It's expanding quite a bit. Like Thailand is fully recreational. So, I mean, I've, I definitely, even within the cannabis culture in Canada, I can definitely see that expanding across the world and having the whole world kind of be a collaborative effort of of sending people across and, and importing here, exporting there, growing from Spain and bringing it to Canada. And it's, it's, uh, it's a really cool place.
0: Uh, absolutely. And you're already seeing it with the amount of Canadian companies who are starting to go and reach out to the German market, to like Aurora matching with the French yeah. medical market. Have they been putting out the best quality product here? No, but will they serve a great purpose in providing quality qu- product for what France is used to? Pro- yeah, yeah, like, yeah, definitely. Let's, let's be realistic. <laughs> yeah, maybe not triple or quad A here, but for a medical market in France that's looking for essentially a free trial, it's a pretty good, bud. Going over there to to justify the use of cannabis in France, so. Yeah. Like, it's it's got its place, and it's nice to see that the Canadian bud is going out there as almost the kind of the starting point, the staple for these industries to build off of. Yeah. Because – and the amount of craft producers that are going over are awesome, too. That's even better.
1: Yeah, and I think it's going to help a ton, too. Like, uh, you do see a lot of uh, saturation in the market here right now because – I mean, everybody knows everybody's growing at this point, some of the best product. Like I haven't seen this many 30 plus THC ranges in like my entire life, let alone the last five years of cannabis industry. So, I mean, I think it's going to help a lot of a lot of growers with their cash flow, being able to send these products out to countries who are like never even heard of 30 percent THC and and even don't even know what terpenes are essentially. Right. So. I think it's gonna help a ton i think the biggest hurdle right now for a lot of people coming out is the regulations um but i mean as we kind of go move forward in the industry it seems to be a little loosen it up a little by little year by year so
0: that is uh that's something we should should be looking forward to as well so well and we we want to look at provinces that are taking the steps in the right direction with farm gate opportunities in bc and ontario Mm. coming up and sampling now being available in alberta and that's a major win for for bud tenders in alberta and people in the industry in alberta it's steps like that are huge it'd be nice if we could treat cannabis like wine in the sense of you get cottage wine licenses and somebody like me could produce real small amounts but we can sell at our farmer's market yeah definitely you understand Mm -hmm. that yes we've got to do our own batch based testing but it's not going to be to the same degree of the full market. So, yes, you're taking a little bit of a risk by buying it from there. But it's still been tested. It's still gone through the basic health protective procedures. Yeah, And that is for me, would be the ultimate level for Canada. If we could have it to where AC and PR growers and people along those lines have access to farmer market level sales... That'd be huge. Yeah, that's
1: actually a really cool idea. And like I said, like it all comes down to regulation. So I'm sure as they go along, they're trying to figure out how to cover every possible what if and stuff, you know. But uh, I think just it, it all started when they when they really just based all the regulations off of like pharmaceuticals, right? So the, the facilities we're growing weed in is to the same grade as people like creating opiate opiate pills and stuff like that so i think that's what kind of started almost too boxed in but they're they're coming to realize more and more so like you said alberta with sampling is huge um i saw a post from actually um ashley newman uh the owner of queen of bud and she was talking about her experiences on how tough it was to market and promote Because for somebody who who does what she does, how are you supposed to create your brand if there's all these regulations around marketing and promoting your product? And then you can't even incentivize people to buy your product. So you can't do sales or, or really anything at all without being either blocked by your social media, which is kind of all we have to promote at this point. Besides like LinkedIn a little bit, which is LinkedIn has actually been really, really cannabis friendly, I found. Um, TikTok, you can't do anything on there. App Store, you can't have any apps. So it's it's super tough. So I, I really want to be able to expand into that, right? Like I, I really want to see the governments kind of loosen up and, and let us go wild with our marketing. But it's crazy stuff.
0: Well, exact, even if it's like no product being able to show that mm-hmm. you guys are allowed to market. Well, the amount of fun stuff you could do with just a brand And just the brand logo and just attractive experiences that way that you can associate with what the product's doing without actually showing the cannabis bud. Yeah. That's a reasonable rule for us to work within to start with, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, okay, we can't show the consumption of the product. We can't show the actual product. Okay, I can think of a lot of ways that we can advertise cannabis. That doesn't show those two things. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of workarounds with that that could make great advertising and marketing. And it's still that safe for children. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And at this point it's like I feel like
1: even cannabis consumers that are parents know that at a certain age you just can't give your child cannabis, you know. You have to keep it as locked away at a certain point and and like the the idea the ideal kind of um, knowledge or general knowledge for the average consumer is kind of going higher and higher as well too right so they're starting to realize how powerful certain strains are how powerful certain edibles are like i remember in the legacy market people were eating like 200 milligram edibles and not getting baked right so it's like now that they've discovered like how much 10 milligrams really is tested out in a lab they know that okay this little piece of candy is is actually a lot powerful than it is right so i feel like the general knowledge of of the safety and protective aspects around it for the average consumer is going up a lot too which will make it a lot easier for the the regulation to loosen up
0: but uh it's still we're still in that little that weird little gray area you know oh exactly at this point the major marketing is the information that the bud tenders can provide to the consumer. Yeah. If they can provide the information where it's like, okay, because this gummy or drink is nano emulsed, it's going to affect you a lot quicker than something that's not. So this will give you a closer to a smoking effect than a THCA gummy will, Mm -hmm. because it doesn't have to convert the THCA to the 11 hydroxy. It doesn't need to have that transition within your body. It can be absorbed readily. And having that ability to explain the difference is a big reason why you see certain companies like the wanna Quicks and those blowing up. Well, yeah. it's a 10 to 15 minute activation time, not a 45 minute to an hour and a half activation time. And if that's the only real marketing and promotion we have, it's tough because... Not every bud tender cares enough to actually learn about it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's like, even as, like like I said, working in the retail stores, being able to educate your customers, you will definitely find a percentage of them that are like, oh, wow, like, you know, like, this is cool. I don't even know what nanoemotion was. And other people are like, dude, I don't even care. Yeah. Just like, just me high. <laughs> yeah, just get me baked, man. It's like, okay, here, take this, you know? Oh. And nanoemotion is actually something really, like, I'm, I'm really a fan of. I thought it was like one of the coolest things when I learned about it in school and, and I think um, another expanding market can actually be the edible market. Like, I know in the OCS now, like, they made, like, kettle chips and, like, macaroni and cheeses infused. And you can actually get those from, from retail stores, which is something you're still waiting to see in Alberta and, I guess, a few other provinces. But um, the drinks, man, like, they need to they need to add some sugar. XMG, I, I don't know how you guys did it, but I don't know how you made it taste that good with all these sugar regulations. But XMGs are great. Um but they need to they need to advance some stuff. Like I feel like they can loosen up on the sugar regulations yeah. a little bit. Like,
0: <laughs> well, and especially at this point, we've gone through almost three years trial with them. Yeah, let's transition into giving you guys a little bit more, more just available flavors that you can play with a little bit more. And even if you just go, it's a high sugar drink. Yeah, okay. And some of them are. Pretty like some of them still have a decent amount of sugar in them already. The green monkeys seem to be my favorite so far, and they're nice. only five six grams a can, which is pretty good actually. Well, yeah, there's a uh, definitely a lot of cool
1: stuff going on, but I think um, it's almost created like this underground cannabis scene at some points. Like I know in uh, a couple major cities, that product launches will actually be very like underground and secret access and and you see videos of them here and there which honestly seem really cool and um if we can find a way to bring that culture to a regulated kind of area i feel like we can do things kind of like uh like the junos for cannabis or something right like that'd be that'd be
0: something really cool to see well it'd be nice to even have like regionally locked releases Mm -hmm. where it's like okay we're going to release this genetic to Northern Alberta exclusive, this genetic to Southern Alberta exclusive. Whichever one sells the most is going to be our next big release. Oh, that'd be and, sick. And just <laughs> a, literally do a promotion like that. Yeah. It, you're incentivizing the purchase of a product. Yeah. You don't know what genetic it is until you open it up and you get the information on the front. Yeah, little right? mystery screens, right? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and splitting it where it's Edmonton North and then everything essentially Red Deer South is the difference because then you got your population split, but choosing your genetic that way would be a great way to involve bud tender, a great way to involve everyone. But the marketing, mm-hmm. HLC would never let that fly <laughs> because a it'd make their job more difficult because they'd have to regionally lock this bu- that product, and b they would never do it because they'd be like, well, why would we regionally lock this? <laughs> yeah. So like, it's a cool tactic, but it's something that with the government involved it's i don't know if we'll ever see it yeah
1: it's it's tough and uh we won't know until we start getting (laughs) live answers from from government representatives right like if we can have a live podcast like this or even zoom calls like how how we're doing with the growers and with c3 and astronaut it's like, if, imagine if we could just hop on a and a Q&A with an actual government representative as a collective and be like, hey, can you answer all these questions for yeah. us? Or how long will this take? Or what do we need to do on our end to make this easier for you guys? Like, we need a lot more cooperation, I feel like, between the actual industry professionals and the regulation boards. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would uh, help expedite a lot of the things that consumers want, but we just can't give them yet, so. Oh, absolutely,
0: and like, I honestly do think that if we had, like you said, a collective that was not necessarily voted in by the industry, but it's we've got five or six people that are representing the desires of Alberta, the Alberta industry, and we're going to AJLC. Yeah. And we're talking directly to them. And you have that kind of middleman that is, fo- okay, AJLC is not going to hire cannabis focused people in the next 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> Realistically, they're going to transition alcohol and their other. People in their positions into the higher positions, and then cannabis will be filtered in slowly as we fill the ranks. Yeah, it's going to happen, but it's the way business always works. It's slow, and the people who have been there before are going to get moved up first. So that we got to accept that. But if we could have a committee or a collective of people that direct, directly deal with AJLC, going this is like this is unreasonable. We can't do anything with this. How can we make a happy balance here? Yeah, You give us a little bit. We understand that we've got to not get exactly what we want. Yeah. Something like that in each province would be huge mm-hmm. because each province is going to have different regulations, but then you could have that that kind of council that's always on AGLC. Why Why are you guys doing this? This doesn't make any sense. Yeah, We've had this for four years. We can show that it doesn't have any negative effect. So let's loosen the regulation a little bit. Right. We'll keep track of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that would be that'd be huge for for Canada, and especially especially having all these foreign countries trying to learn our process. Um, like we've definitely come a long way. But for for us to teach them a lot of things that we're still trying to figure out might might be a little sticky on their end, too. Right. So, I mean, something like that would be would be huge. It's just how do we even present that is is the real question. But.
0: Well, that's exactly it. Building a structure to be able to actually have that be usable at the beginning is going to be the t- toughest thing at the start. Yeah. And when you go province to province, we still got two provinces that you legally can't grow in on a recreational side, being Manitoba and Quebec. Mm-hmm. And there's a province who still has a 30% THC cap on everything. So there's no concentrates or nothing in yeah. Quebec. Like <laughs> and then, then there's Alberta and Ontario that's battling with some of these forty percent THEs that are popping up, right? Like Yeah. It's like what's really going on, they, right? <laughs> they, exactly. That and that's the thing is if we had at least province to province councils, then at least they could talk and go, Okay for most accepting and welcoming cannabis province these are the ones that you want to go to for consumption for this this and this yeah. for the ones that are the most restricted most hardline these are the provinces so if you're interested in taking part of these here's the be be aware yeah. you're going to have extra steps with these provinces which would help people that are looking to get into the industry. It help people that are in the industry looking to expand. Right, like it's just it's beneficial for everyone.
1: Yeah, no, I agree, man. And uh, I think another big thing, like just touching on like those forty percent THC's and stuff, is like, uh, to my knowledge, I, it's been it's been about a year and a year or so since I've been in QA. But to my knowledge, like the average consumer can actually get the cannabis tested because I think you need to get it addressed to a facility. But uh, I think o- even opening that up, well, would help put a lot of labs to their accountability right like if if a cannabis consumer can go buy a 40 percent thc and go get it tested himself at at a legitimate lab and see it come back at like even like 30 which is still pretty high if you're doing 30 you don't need to put 40 but if even if an average consumer can do that i feel like it'll help just just create some trust and and some accountability too you know because
0: uh we all know what's going on (laughs) yeah i was just gonna (laughs) when it comes to the labs i've got kind of Almost an extreme option, which I think it would be the one that's most likely to happen, would be every test that goes through a lab is open access, public access. Yeah, that would be crazy. Because that'd be crazy. That that and it's and you don't need to put the you don't necessarily need to put the genetic or the breeder. All we need is the lot number and the lab. Yeah. Because then when that product comes to market, we go and we check that lot, and we go and we see oh it was tested at four different facilities. Well, that facility's testing four percent higher than everyone else yeah you go and you check it against a different product same thing same thing same thing and then you look and there's products that use that number and then there's products that don't use that number yeah so then you can hold both the brands that are hunting THC down for using the labs that's giving them the highest accountable and the labs accountable Mm -hmm. but nobody's being thrown under the bus for testing or anything along those lines because it's literally a lot number that everyone would have to have for every cannabis lot that's grown. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that, that's just then no secrets are being exposed in the sense of strain exposure, anybody is doing testing, because I understand that is market secrets and each company kind of have the things they want to keep quiet. Mm-hmm. But if a lab kicks out a 46% THC, everyone in the industry should be going, hmm, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right? And if it comes legit, well, then you've got. Nothing but proof from everyone because we've all looked at it and if it doesn't come out well then we got questions yeah no definitely and uh, I feel like even federally right now like there
1: are there are laws against like to say like shopping for yeah. labs right so I mean the the government did do something to implement it but I don't know how much is being done to enforce it <laughs> You know what I mean? And, like, a law that's implemented and not enforced is, is not really
0: a law at all, you know? But well, uh, Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I I don't know if you attended the Health Canada. Um, they had a their their monthly or biweekly live streams where they go over the procedures and everything. Yeah. Right after the, this THC percentage debacle blew up, it was the week after that Health Canada hosted one of these talking about THC. Mm-hmm one of the people in the meeting who works for Health Canada because he was all Health Canada, his acknowledgement to this was, if somebody can grow greater than 30% THC, they must have a great green thumb. And we're keeping an eye on what's happening in the industry. Okay. That was the response from Health Canada. It's very Which vague. essentially, to <laughs> me, is a... Yeah. Not really an issue right now. Yeah. We'll, we'll take care of it when it becomes st- so exaggerated, which... Isn't it already? Hundred <laughs> percent. And uh, I know,
1: like, I know labs are doing different procedures in testing too. You know, like some some actual like some procedures are actually a lot more accurate yep. than other labs. So I'm um, now I'm curious. Like, this is the this is the aspect of QA that I kind of really enjoyed was like sitting down with labs and learning how they're actually testing things. So it's been about a year, year and a half. But I encourage all these all the viewers who are in the QA dep- like uh, departments to to really. Open source it if they can. Like I don't know if they're signing NDAs before they get information on how these labs are are uh, actually testing the products. Because I know there's different methods for grinding and different solvents and, and things like that. So I mean, if you can uh, throw it up, let the let the world let it be known, let the cannabis industry know. You know?
0: Well, absolutely. And it's it's one of those things where at this point, why are we trying to put a singular number on a batch when we know that that's not what's in the container? for the majority of those containers because there's so much fluctuation just within a singular plant. Yeah. Why aren't we getting it tested at three different labs and we're putting the range on? The Mm -hmm. lowest to the highest. You're going to get something within this range. If it's within a 5% THC range, you at least have an understanding. This is high, this is medium, this is low. Yeah. Right? Like... Yeah. And even with the terpenes, greater than 3%, greater than 4%, greater than because... With, and when it comes to the terpenes, there's companies who it seems like are adding additional terpenes they're hunting for to bump that number up. Because if they search for more terpenes, you're getting a higher milligram percentage back, so you can bump the number up.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Actually, like I know it was being done with like distillates, like reintroducing the terpenes because you take them out in the first place. But in dried flower, like uh, I don't know, I don't know if that's a thing right now. But you, it's it's a thing, eh?
0: You just expand the search of the amount of terpenes you're looking for. Yeah. So if you are searching for 13 terpenes, and then another company is searching for 26,
1: uh, those 13
0: extra terpenes at micro amounts can give you an extra percent.
1: That's crazy. That's uh, And that is yeah. another
0: thing that it, it's not – is it buffering the terpene content? <laughs> It's an argument whether it is or not because those terpenes are present. Mm. But should we be saying how many terpenes were tested to be able to give you that percentage? Because if we see 26 terpenes tested and 5% versus 2% terpenes at 10 terpenes tested, yeah, we got totally different experiences, right? Oh, that's a uh, – you raise a good point. <laughs> you raise a really good point. And it's
1: funny how, like, this was never an issue until the consumer started looking for terpenes too, right? So, I mean, like – now I'm curious, now that we're seeing a lot of like CBG and CBN kind of being introduced like uh, through, through dried flower blunts and, and even like extracts and stuff, I'm
0: curious to see how this will affect those numbers, you know? Well, that, and that's exactly it. At this point, I'm going, because everyone is saying, well, total cannabinoids are what we want. Mm-hmm. If they're expanding the search for terpenes, they're going to expand the search for cannabinoids. Yeah. As soon as they can identify and test it, it'll be the companies who are willing to do that will do that. Now I'm not saying everyone's doing it. It could be just one rotten egg that's doing this that got the story out, but if one person's doing it, likelihood is there's more than just one. Yeah, they will be they will be interesting to see how things unfold, you know? Well, and that's open source lab testing yeah. sure it makes a resolution of that because you could see all the terpenes that are tested with it too. Yeah. You just look at the lot numbers. <laughs> I agree. Like,
1: and, and I remember I remember actually seeing like um Uh, it was it was at least at least a couple years ago um there were there were companies that were actually putting uh qr codes on their labels and you would uh scan the qr code and it'll go straight to the test the law number kind of exactly what you're saying so i don't know if they're still doing that it's been a while since i've been managing a retail store but i will uh next time i go in and buy some stuff i'm gonna gonna start taking a look you know
0: yeah that's that's a pretty good idea as well too well like I I knew Top Leaf was talking about it and I think they actually had it attached to their website mm-hmm. to where you could match up. Figure had it to where you could punch in the the QR or the lot number on it and it'd give you that. There's there's a four or five different companies that were trying to do that. But yeah. they were the ones that were a little bit bigger, had a little bit of a sour taste on the market because people didn't want to keep buying it so they needed to revamp and that was one of the ways that they yeah. did and the product got better for some of them and they stuck around and other ones they're not really as (laughs) predominant as they were yeah
1: (laughs) makes sense and uh, it's a good idea I feel like they they took the right approach but now it's just now it's just up to the companies the individual companies responsibility for things right and if we want to see a lot more expanding or freedom in our regulations it comes to a lot of responsibilities between
0: the individual companies too well absolutely and it and it is because of how regulated this industry is that each company kind of needs to figure out which line they're willing to tow because mm-hmm. there's been some companies who've found ways around the sampling and have been getting away with that prior to and there's companies who've been getting away with marketing prior to and there's like everyone's kind of finding well which way do we want to push the limit yeah and now we're with the adjustments with the sampling and stuff like that let's see how those companies who are towing the line that way whether they're going to flourish because sampling's legal and they've already been planning for it so they're already just going with it yeah. or if they've got to find another line to tow yeah definitely it's right? now, like, yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> because one change like that completely changes that company from being a unique aspect on the market because it's like, oh, th- th- these guys give you samples every once in a while. <laughs> to now, well, every company can. Yeah. Now they got to find the next way to be that little. The little, yeah. The, the little, like, secret sesh almost kind of experience, Yeah, right? kind of that underground feel to it like we were talking, right? And like, and companies who have that underground feel, pistol and Paris for bigger companies. hmm They give you that kind of legacy transition for the marketing and it works. It it works. Natural History has got a similar approach for that one where they're trying to collaborate with a bunch of artists and go after more of the art and kind of, I don't almost say more entertainment style dispensaries. The ones that are there for, you're coming in for an experience. Yeah. They work really well doing that. So, that sampling's not gonna affect their marketing so much. But the companies who have been sampling under the table, what have they got up their sleeve to work with now?
1: Yeah. So everybody's <laughs> at the same playing field, right? Like Well, well exactly. Cool. All those
0: companies who were doing something before now have the extra benefit. Yeah. So we'll see another little wave of adjustments within the market to see who's doing well and who's not after the sampling. Yeah. That'll be uh that'll be an interesting, we got an interesting year ahead of us yeah. that's for sure. You know, well, with the amount of events that are coming up in Alberta, it'll be an interesting year for craft cannabis in Alberta.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> Cause yeah. kind, there's a decent amount of smaller producers that are going to be there or just even showing up to walk around Mm -hmm. um grow up in emington is going to be massive it seems like it just continues to grow every month they're adding something new or they're expanding the size of something because they've just got so many more vendors or just people that want to set up and be there and then there's Stratcan at the end of april like there's so much happening in alberta right now that it's it's going to be a, a boom or bust year for a lot of these smaller
1: companies. Yeah, hopefully it's a boom, you know, and uh, it'll it'll definitely take some time. But I think we're we're applying the right amount of pressure. That's for sure, right? Like we are putting pressure on on the governing bodies to to really help us help us sell to consumers and, and offer a variety of products, opposed to just like some gummies and some some cookies and stuff, right? But it'll uh, it'll definitely be fun. It's exciting to see. It's, it's exciting to be in an emerging emerging industry. That's for sure.
0: Well, and an industry and and market that's just continuously expanding yeah like every year we've seen growth in one aspect or another whether it's new consumers coming in for topicals and oils for just that daily supportive use or especially during covid people transitioning to being daily consumers of the smoke or vape or dabs because they have realized that utilizing that at the end of the day is a lot better than cracking open a beer drinking some whiskey or whatever the drink was yeah absolutely even
1: like prescription meds right yep. like you were talking about your ems history and stuff and it's like why not use a cbd dominant product opposed to things like this as long as they can kind of clarify how it really works because right now it's it's really in in the abyss like butt tenders aren't Practitioners, right? No. Like we can't, we can't tell this person, hey, instead of using your anti-anxiety medicine, just smoke mm-hmm. this stuff. But as long as we can do some more R and D on that medical aspect of things, I feel like that'll be a really easy transition. Like right now, we have uh, even one of our partners, uh, Wheelchair uh, Medicine Wheel Ranch. They create one-to-one seeds, so it actually gives. They actually open up a lot of doors to growers who want to just. Grow some of their own CBD with a little bit of with a little bit of THC, right? And the people who are endorsing this product and came out with it is Doctor Bud. I'm not sure if you've heard of him. Yeah. You've heard of him, yeah? yeah i awesome a little guy. bit of him, yeah. Yeah, he's he's a, he's an awesome guy. He's a character. He's uh he's really passionate about his stuff. He's a real Rasta. He goes down to Jamaica, Mexico, and he really works with with smaller, I say like smaller villages to help see how cannabis can help. And he came out with these wheelchair seats. He had over 80 different cultivars of these one-to-ones. And he drew, released the top five. They're right now available in Saskatchewan and Manitoba. We're trying to get them into Alberta, OCS, BC. BC's put like a stone wall between <laughs> BC and the rest of the country for a little bit. So, I mean, that's a, that's a tough one. But I feel like the people who are looking for that product are so happy to see it on the market. Like people have reached out after we were on... Um, this live broadcast with with a ton of bartenders and they were so excited to hear about it and and learn about it but there's still not that education and like that uh backing provided to the average consumer of what it could really do right so i feel like there's there's a lot of room like you're saying for that cbg the cbn the extracts the cbd or uh whole whole terpene stuff but I'll just
0: plug that in real quick. Um, But yeah, like we were saying, uh, realistically, the biggest solution for that would be taking the smaller aspects that worked in these cannabis events that are focused towards the industry Mm -hmm. and create an event that's focused towards the consumers and have bud tenders be there to interact with consumers. So you go and you set it up to where you have people like... Kelsey Cannabis, you have people like um, Kayla San Martin and I'm just thinking of people within Alberta even myself who've utilized cannabis for our own medical benefit that we can talk about our stories. Mm -hmm. While there's people there that can actively talk to Kayla's a registered nurse she's doing a nursing training program for cannabis. It'd be hugely beneficial for her, any of her students or anyone that's interested to be there To be able to provide that CBD knowledge that can actually talk on it because they are a medical professional and explain it more in depth to both bud tenders, consumers, anyone who's interested and have it be a little bit more of the health and wellness side because bud tenders can explain cannabis consumption all day long, how to smoke, how to dab. If you consume that way, you can talk about it. Mm -hmm. CBD, CBN, the minor cannabinoids, how the terpenes actually affect and have like an effect on your body the nurses and people who have the m- little bit more medical side would be the better people to talk on it
1: yeah absolutely i agree i agree completely and uh actually I go Plug this laptop in real quick. yeah no worries but you can keep going okay sweet yeah even like uh, a few people we've been talking to within the industry like we are seeing kind of an upwave of people funding this type of research so I would – in the near future, I'd really like to see these products even be incorporated into hospitals and things like that, right, where you can – where you got an IV full of CBD of 1,000 milligrams to, to help calm you down or, or whatever they decide it might do. But I think that's uh, – there's a lot of open – there's a lot of ways this can go, and it seems like in our, in our generation, like, there's uh, a lot of different emerging industries like to name a couple you got like the alternative energies that are really starting to boom you got like crypto that's really starting to boom you got cannabis that's really starting to boom so to see this industry kind of fuse with a couple of those who knows if we'll see it in the next 10 20 years but I feel like there's a lot of uh, a lot of cool cool things that can
0: happen well exactly it seems like our the, the the two generations right now that are really starting to get a predominance in the market have grown up with the idea of we could be doing things a little bit better, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's some that want drastic change immediately and the rest of us are like, let's just implement change that we can effectively utilize and actually grow from. And then once we learn that, let's go to the next thing, go to the next thing. And And that progressive change, especially when it comes to alternative medicine and cannabis and alternative energies, it's hugely beneficial for everyone as a whole because it seems like there's a lot of cooperative opportunities, right? Because if we could transition to utilizing hemp as a major fiber versus a lot of the other fibers we use, well, that would be a big benefit. Yeah, absolutely. A big benefit of the hemp being grown is the carbon-based emission reduction because it's a huge sucker because it grows so rapidly and we could use that across the world and there's so many other vegetative carbon-based suckers that we could plant in places with high emissions to try and neutralize and balance out the effects yeah and expand our timeline to make the major differences that need to be changed
1: yeah absolutely and i feel like the the effects like the positive effects of hemp have been known for for decades now and obviously there's there's a war on hemp for for whatever reasons there are, but... Well, because it was useful. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. In the yeah. States, it it would yeah. it got put to war because it was effectively going to affect the lumber and yeah. all of the other industries that one person decided he didn't like, so... Exactly. War on hemp became war on drugs, too, so... So,
1: I feel like that, in order to see that change, there would have to be, like, a... Uh, some very major, major transitions of power. You know, like hopefully the next kin is is a lot more woke. I guess you could say. You
0: know, well, or or even just the the financial. Just seeing that, oh, it's more cost effective for us to grow this. Yeah. At this point, that seems to be what makes it makes a difference, and I don't understand how hemp could be not more cost effective. Yeah. Yearly harvest, sometimes twice yearly harvest, where you're located, outdoors high stock yield high fibrous yield for use of products that will last yeah even uh even the
1: like uh hemp fuel yeah. like the hemp diesel fuels hemp crete they can absorb absorb moisture a lot better so you won't see a lot of cracking in the buildings and stuff like that yeah. and there's uh there's the list goes on but well, we just gotta wait we gotta, <laughs> we gotta either enhance our status and, and get into the powerful circles you know but <laughs>
0: Just got to make that transition start slowly affecting change.
1: Yeah. But honestly, this
0: was a great podcast. We covered a lot of topics. We went into a good depth on the marketing and how you guys are helping bring products to the market. And that's huge. Absolutely. I really do like having these conversations and just helping explain that there's difficulties within this industry and that. It's not just as easy as growing a plant and throwing it in a container.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, like, I feel like the biggest thing is actually getting the word out. Like, I can only imagine how many emerging growers and micros there are that don't know that there's help for these sort of things, right? Because consulting is is, is a, sticky, a sticky line. Like, you have a consultant that will come in and take all your money, or you have people who will actually come help. So, I mean, even in the last month, like, I started our, our Instagram for C3 and Astronaut, and we've gotten – great results from from people just knowing that we're out here. So I feel like the biggest thing is getting the word out and like if people do need assistance with this sort of thing, it's like there are reputable companies here to help them through it. And we even offer a profit sharing model. So you don't have to give us a huge chunk of cash up front. So we know that's what micros are struggling with right now. And it's like as soon as your product sells, we split that money and, and you get paid as as the sell throw happens, right? So I think that's a
0: that's a big thing too. Well exactly and when there's like companies For example, like the BC Black and that are on the market. They have their own branding on there. It's a little bit more apparent to see that they're available. But Mm -hmm. with you guys that are looking to bring companies under their own branding and do more of the co-packaging, that supportive work. And I remember on the Tether call, you guys mentioning about trying to work with dispensaries and potentially bringing their own brand into the market and doing stuff along those lines. Like that's... a. Different style of packaging than what BC Block is doing, and a different style of bringing to market than what BC Block is doing.
1: Yeah, and that's what uh, i feel like it's—it's it's really the freedom because the cre- cannabis is a creative market, right? So you don't want to ever conceal someone's creative freedom. So I feel like that's what we offer quite a bit too. Like I personally do all the branding. Like I will build the logos. I'll name the strains if they need help with it. And it's unlimited revisions. If, if you want to do 15 logos and 100 different revisions, like I'll work with you on that. Like it's, it's worked into the model, right? So, I mean, it's, it's really, a, we, we offer a lot of creative freedom. A lot of financial freedom and and just it's really just helping people get their SKUs approved especially because we can pick the products that we want to help right Mm -hmm. so i mean if you have a really good product and our team feels like you have a really good product and once the 100 club is released and these 100 bud tenders and store owners also believe you have a really good product it's like who is somebody that you don't know you've never talked to look at your sheet and say hey you know what we're not going to take this like so that's what we want to help
0: well, exactly, and and being able to allow these companies to kind of showcase their own artistic style, their own branding, everything along those sides is a huge benefit to this industry because there are brands that have their own kind of flair they want to put on their product. Yeah. And there's other ones where it's just, I'm good being in my greenhouse and sending you the bud. Yeah, exactly. And I'm happy to see both companies profit and do well. I personally would rather go with the companies that put a little flair on it because, I'm the type of person who put a little flair on it. Yeah, so. no, definitely. It's And it's nice to see that you guys are supporting that that interest and that access. So that's huge. And the fact that you guys have one of your companies already working to uh, potentially win the, the Cannabis Collector's Cup, that's huge, right? Because yeah. that pre-roll should be available in the next couple of weeks with that 14-pack that goes out in Alberta for... Anybody that's interested, right?
1: Yeah, that one, uh, that's actually the Long Weekend Special. <laughs> Those will be under uh, Astronaut. Mm-hmm. Headstone is the one that will be in the Cannabis Cup finalists. And um, even, like, the next batch they've already grown, they sent to the COA results, and I was telling them, like, by the time the next year happens, it's going to be, like, him versus him in the finalists. Like, the way that these guys are growing, it's, it's fantastic. They're brothers. They've been in um, – their family has been in the farming industry for decades, and they were the first ones to turn their land into, uh, into a cannabis, uh, cannabis field. So – they're they're passionate they love what they do so yeah seeing
0: that i'm looking forward to uh getting my hands on that because i'm definitely going to be picking up that 14 pack and going through a review for all of those ones before the conference so i'm excited to do that and then i'm hoping that i'm going to be sitting behind that judge's table and be able to smoke and judge that flower as well so (laughs) that'd be great but yeah for everybody
1: watching uh feel free to follow us on instagram uh we have our c3 collective which is at craft cannabis co-packing um, it's it's spelled just like it sounds. And then we also have our astronaut one, which hasn't launched yet, but we do have the Instagram page open and the registrations for the 100 Club Live as well. There's only about 70 spots left and we haven't even started marketing yet. So that one is at can as- underscore astronaut. So C-A-N-N underscore astronaut. And uh, you'll see the link for the 100 Club right in the bio.
0: And that'll be exciting once we start marketing it. So don't miss the opportunity. Okay. Hey. Well, thank you. It was great chatting with you today. And thank you for everyone tuning in. We'll be back with another episode later this week. I'm at Kind, so I'm hoping to get some shorter content for you all. But with that being said, cheers, y'all, and we will see you in the next one.